Hi guys, PK here. Thank you for being with me, whether you're walking your dog or cooking in the kitchen or just going, I don't know, for a drive, coming home from work, anything like that. Thank you for lending me your ear. I'm very grateful. In this episode, I was actually interviewed by mortgage broker. They're called Hunter Galloway. And, you know, they're very, very big, very, very good, more than 20,000 subscribers on YouTube. And we talked about this very interesting topic, the three best and three worst suburbs to buy in, whether it's owner-occupier or invest right now in 2022 in Brisbane. Okay, so if you're interested in Brisbane, you already have a property here, or you're looking to invest here or buy a property in Brisbane, you just can't miss this episode, right? And we'll also talk about whether it's a good time to buy and, you know, all of the kind of fear that goes around buying in a market that isn't booming and when we might see the boom start again. All right, so these are the topics. Don't miss it. Brisbane deep dive. I hope you guys get a ton of value. Welcome to the Oz Property Investment Mastery Podcast. My name is PK and I help busy people build passive income by buying top 5% growth and cash flow property and build a portfolio using data without wasting months doing research, spending weekends at inspection or catching flights or dropping ten dollars to $20,000 on buyer's agents every single time. So if you're confused, lack confidence, and just overwhelmed with all the information and marketing misinformation available online and don't know where to start, then this show is for you. So starting off on the three suburbs to avoid, what's your recommendations here? So I think the first one, and I hear this a lot, is people hear about this suburb called Tawong, which is on the south side or central south side of Brisbane. It's close to the St. Lucia University of Queensland. And, you know, because of that Queensland University, everyone thinks that, oh, Tawong must be a fantastic suburb close to this infrastructure story. But really, the problem with Tawong is, and I'm talking about units here because houses are just far too expensive in Tawong. The problem is that there's always building new and new towers to accommodate student accommodation. So supply is really, really an issue. And what you see is despite Australia going through this massive property boom in the last one or two or three years, Tawong units have been basically dead flat. So I, I sort of hate to think what will happen going forward. Definitely. So I guess the uh, supply and the increased supply doesn't really give you that capital gains or the capital appreciation in the future with Tawong, which makes a lot of sense. I myself had a property in Ashgrove. It was a unit, my first home, and I had that for about eight years. I had the same prop, um, problem. They had heaps of uh, new properties being developed in Brisbane city center, um, in Fortitude Valley, a bunch of areas. And for the last sort of um, eight years that I held it, I actually lost money when I sold it. So good good tip there. Really appreciate that. So I guess Tawong being the number one area to avoid if you're looking at units, what's the number two suburb that you have there, PK? So for maybe people who have a higher budget, you know, Tawong units are like sub five, sub $600,000. For those people who are probably watching and they're like, you know, I got a million dollars, I got a million and a half dollars to splash, you know, tempting as it is, you have to be very careful around buying right now in the cycle around Burbank, Chandler, these sort of south um, eastern sort of, you know, they're only about five kilometers or five to 10 kilometers from the CBD. And, you know, on the east hand side, you've got the ocean. So like, you know, from a, a sales and marketing perspective, you know, it's a really easy story to sell. 
But the problem is that these areas have gone up, especially Burbank. It's gone up, you know, by about 80% or 70 to 80% just in the last three years. So that kind of growth, you know, can't sustain itself. Oftentimes people think, oh, look, something has grown in the past and therefore it will grow in the future. Sometimes it's the opposite because regression to the mean, everything has to average out statistically at sort of seven to 8% over the long term. So this is a very um, tempting area to buy in, especially if you've got deep pockets, but rental yields are like at 2%. And the days on market, which is really interesting data point, it's jumped literally in the last few months from 50 days to 100 days, which means that just a few months ago, it was taking you know just over a month to sell a place. And now it's taking over three months. And you can see how the demand has really fallen off a cliff in Burbank. Yeah, definitely. So Burbank being an area to avoid, um, I guess, high prices, low yields, makes it a bit more of a challenging investment or a purchase to make sense. And number three, what's your number three suburb to avoid in Brisbane? So it's like super hotly talked about, you know, by people in Brisbane, but especially people and investors in Sydney and Melbourne who may or may not know better, Woodridge. Woodridge is in the Logan City Council. And I know we're talking about Brisbane, so forgive me, this is in Logan City Council. But, you know, Woodridge has gone up. It has definitely gone up. However, the problem with Woodridge and the reason I think it's not a good place to invest right now is that the percentage of renters, you know, of all the properties, more than 65 to 75% of properties are rental properties. So in the middle of a boom, in the middle of a rental boom as well, all of that is okay. But give it one year, give it two years, give it three years when this boom abates and subsides, what you'll find is that landlords are just going to compete against each other really hard for the same tenants. There's no real owner-occupier appeal. And it's once again, a bit like the other Burbank, it's had such a great growth run. I think it will be an underperformer for the next five to 10 years. Excellent. So Woodridge coming in at number three. And for our viewers out there that want to do that research and understand how they can find these suburbs. So for example, Tawong, um, Burbank, Woodridge, They've got all different issues, as you said, Tawong, oversupply, um, Burbank, Woodridge, getting to a point where potentially too many investors in Woodridge, Burbank becoming a bit more too expensive. What are some practical steps they can take to potentially do this research, not if they're only looking in Brisbane or anywhere else? What can they look at and how can they get to the bottom of these sort of things that you've talked about here? Yeah, totally. Look, I'm a big sort of connoisseur of data. So even though I'm saying a whole bunch of stuff right now, you can kind of just ignore it. What you should do is do your own research. And it's quite simple. These days, there's so many publicly available data websites. And you look at things like stock on market percentages. You look at things like days on market trends. You look at things like online search interest ratios. We talked about supply. You can figure that out just going on a council website or the ABS website and looking at building permits or building approvals. There are all these different data um, sets, job advertisements that are all freely available these days. And you can kind of, you know, it doesn't take that much time. You don't actually need to be a professional. You can quickly assimilate, okay, well, demand seems to be super strong. For example, days on market is low, but supply is increasing. So prices are probably going to be dampening or demand is super low and supply is increasing. So prices might be going down, which is the case with many of these suburbs. Excellent. We've talked about the three areas to avoid. Let's have a look at the three areas that you recommend to gravitate towards. So one that I'm quietly confident about, um, I should say quietly because it can never guarantee anything, but the data seems to, to stack up really well, is Tagum. 
Now, for anyone who's heard of Tagum, you know that it's got this sort of stigma of being a relatively lower socioeconomic area just on the north side of Brisbane. I think it's about 15Ks or 15, 20Ks from the CBD. North Brisbane is still in Brisbane City Council. You know, there is a set level of crime that hasn't really abated. And if you look at the statistics over the last five, 10 years, but thing is that houses in Tagum have just gone up all around Tagum as well, Strath, Pine and, and other areas, Zilmere. So what you're seeing is this big divergence between townhouses price and house price. And so what generally happens is townhouses catch up. Now that doesn't automatically just magically happen, but the data that I referred to before is very strong for townhouses in Tagum. And the thing I'd just like to reiterate as well is just because an area ha- is ridden with crime, that doesn't mean that prices don't increase. You know, we have examples and for people in Melbourne, like um, Frankston, you know, not the best area in terms of crime, but it's gone up so much in the last decade in uh, Sydney, places like Redfern. So don't just discount a place like Tagum just because it's, you know, lower socioeconomic. Yeah, look, I, I remember back when I bought my first home about 10 years ago, I was looking at units in Ashgrove at the time, but I was also considering an area in Stafford, which was about within a 10 kilometer radius. Properties back then were going for about 400000 I'm kicking myself still today because <laughs> I didn't buy a house there. And back then, there were a lot of government houses that were getting resold. They were actually at the end of their lives with the government. They were selling them up. Now you can't get a property for more, anything less than a mill. So I think, you know, take him an area, as he said, a little bit of high crime rate. There's a bit of a regentrification going on there, a bit of a change in the community. So it'll be interesting to see how that one forms out. But um, that's, uh, yeah, definitely a good suggestion. What about number two? What's the second area that for investors and owner-occupiers out there that they should probably at least put in their wish list of areas to look at? Yeah, I think you mentioned like a really important factor, which is gentrification. You know, it's not just how um, current crime or current incomes are, but how much they're improving. And there's a suburb called Northgate, once again, on the north side of Brisbane, around Banyo, around Nanda, which I think is like almost like a hidden secret. I think people just don't recognize it for for some reason, but incomes have been increasing really fast in Northgate. You know, previously it used to be a blue blue collar area. Now it's sort of a young professional's husband, wife in their thirties with a couple of young kids sort of thing. And it's super close to the freeway, super close to uh, like a DFO shopping center, super close to the airport. Everything's going for it. And that gentrification, I think, you know, when we invest in suburbs or even to live in, we want to be buying in areas that are getting better and better, not that are already awesome and have no further upside. So I think Northgate has got so much potential in the next five to 10 years. Excellent. Northgate, is it another area to keep a look out? So what's the third suburb that you recommend? So the third one is, you know, just like we talked about areas to avoid, and I gave you one that was a little bit more um, premium, I would say, in Burbank to avoid, Clayfield is one that you should potentially go for in the north side of Brisbane, much closer to the CBD as opposed to you know Tagum and, and Northgate. The thing with Clayfield, and once again, when I'm talking about Northgate, when I'm talking about Tagum and Clayfield, I'm really concentrating my discussion on townhouses, right? Townhouses, you can still get stuff under 500, under 600, 700K. And the great thing about Clayfield is that the prime attraction is this private school, Clayfield College. And up to date or up to now, it was just for girls, just for females. It was a single sex college. And they've just opened that up to now boys. And if you look on the north side of Brisbane, there's not that 
great many schools just for boys. There's St. Joseph's Nudgy College, but not so many others. And Clayfield College has a fantastic reputation. I know a lot of people moving within that sort of Clayfield area just so they can send their sons to this area now. And, you know, it's a premium suburb, big disparity between houses and townhouses. So I think townhouses have, have a long way to go. Awesome. Well, Clayfield being the third place to gravitate towards. Now, how do you feel with the Olympics coming up in 2032? This is going to play out for the property market in Brisbane and those that are interested in the Brisbane property market, what they should be aware and what potential upside or downsides there may be. Yeah, no, it's a terrific question. And I've, I've done a couple of videos on this because I'm a little bit uh, against the grain on this subject. Everyone's saying Brisbane will boom, Brisbane will boom. It's a great place to invest over the long term. I don't disagree, but a lot of the infrastructure that is needed and will be used for the Olympic Games is already there. You know, like, for example, the Gabba, they just have to redevelop it, update it, refurbish it. So it's not like you're building a brand new, you know, set of stadiums and things like that from scratch. All of that was already in train, regardless of whether you have the Olympics or not. Now, that's, you know, that doesn't mean that Brisbane's not going to do well. But I think the sort of sentiment may be overcompensating for the Olympic Games. But the flip side of that is sometimes if enough people believe in something, it happens anyway. So I know a lot of people in Sydney, Melbourne, they see Brisbane as this sort of affordable mecca of property investing or moving their families when, you know, to, to get the affordable type of um, lifestyle. And if enough people think that way, that will then start transpiring in the data. And that will mean that it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I definitely think Brisbane's got way more upside than Sydney or Perth in the next 10 years. Is it because of the Olympics? Maybe, maybe not. But the Olympic Games definitely doesn't do any harm to it. 100% PK. And also we're seeing a high uh, increase of net migration in, in Queensland as well. So that definitely has another factor to take into consideration. What do you say to those buyers out there that are sort of waiting to time the market. They see the news, they see talks of the market going down by 18% in Sydney and Melbourne, um, talks of Brisbane market potentially going backwards by 6% next year. What do you say to those buyers out there that are actually sitting on the fence and they're going, should I wait to get in the market? Is now the right time? I think there's two things. The first thing is like, in stock investing or like cryptocurrency, you know, there's this concept of buy the dip. As soon as prices fall, that's when you buy, supposedly, and then you get the gains. Property markets don't really work like that. They don't just go up and down. They have a boom period. And then there's a sort of long or elongated consolidation or plateau period. And then there's another, you know, rapid price movement upwards. So it's not like if Brisbane, let's say, or any of these suburbs that I've mentioned goes down by 10%, that all of a sudden you can time that perfectly and the next year it will go up by 10%. That's not how real estate works. So it's really comes down to markets within markets. And that's the, uh, that's the second point. Even right now, like I've shared with you just now, there are suburbs or markets within markets that are still growing. Like even though the media is saying that Brisbane is falling and on aggregate, it definitely is. The three suburbs that I mentioned at the end there, amongst many others, are actually still at the start of their growth cycle for a particular type of dwelling, i.e. townhouses. So I think, you know, for property investors, they, they you know, they sort of owe themselves enough education to not just wait for the dip or wait for the bottom, but to invest when they can. But it's where you invest that's more important than when you invest. That's awesome. Awesome advice, PK. Did you have any other final thoughts? 
No, I think like right now, there's a lot of negative sentiment in property circles and it, you know, this channel as well as my channel, it's, we're sort of biased in one sense, you know, we want people to engage with real estate, but like the, the truth really is that there is a lot of fear at the moment. If you just zoom out and see the forest from the trees, it's still a good time to invest in property. It's just more difficult than where it was last year or two years ago. You could put a blindfold on and just throw a dart and you'd make money. That's not the case right now. So I think right now you really need to focus more and more on the data and go micro in your analysis as opposed to should I buy in Brisbane or not. It's more about should I buy in this suburb versus another suburb. So I hope you got some value from that guy. That was pretty direct. You know, we went pretty deep on particular suburbs. It's very rare that you find commentary on specific suburbs, but I really stand by the data because it's way more important than just my opinion. Thank you for being with me. I'll see you next week. And as always, always remember to invest in the six inches between your two ears. That real estate is more valuable than any real estate on earth. All right, you can do it, guys. Catch you later.